0: What's up Preaching Wild Black fam? Listen, I have a very special guest for this episode. I am going to be sitting down with Bishop Benjamin Stevens. He's a bishop in the Church of God in Christ and he has a great illustration about hamburgers and denominationalism. You don't want to miss this conversation. It's rich. It is worth your while. Looking forward to chat with him. Let's go ahead and dive right in.
1: Welcome to the Preaching While Black Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the calling, craft, and content of the Black preaching tradition. And now, here's your host, John C. Richards, Jr.,
0: Well, hello and welcome back to the Preaching Wild Black podcast, a podcast powered by the Invisible Institution. This is a podcast committed to the call, the craft and the content of the black preaching tradition. And we have a special guest for this episode in Bishop Benjamin Stevens. What's up, Bishop Stevens? How you doing? I'm good, John, man. How are you? Good, man. It's good to have you on the episode. Listen, Bishop Stevens is a person who is near and dear to my heart. He actually married me and my wife in Los Angeles over 13 years ago. So he's someone that we highly respect. And he's someone I'm looking forward to hearing from in terms of his preaching craft and content and call. But I want to tell you a little bit about Bishop Stevens first and talk about who he is. Uh, He is a senior pastor of Trinity Temple Church of God in Christ in Grandview, Missouri. He's a native of Inglewood, California. (laughs) He has a BA in Business Administration with a concentration of Marketing from Whittier College, MDiv from ITC, and he has an earned DMin from Fuller Theological Seminary in Youth and Family Ministry. He grew up in West. Los Angeles and West Angeles Baptist, no, not Baptist Church. West Angeles Kojic, don't do, don't put you in the Baptist Church, man. Church of God in Christ. I had to pull it. I had to pull it. You put me in the Baptist Church. I got to pull it (laughs) out. With Bishop Charles Blake, uh, he has served as the International Youth and Young Adult President, and also currently serves as the Bishop of the International Church of God in Christ to Vancouver, Canada, the ecclesiastical district of jurisdiction. So. A lot going on there, Bishop Stevens. Last I'm like <laughs> yes, when you married us, you weren't Bishop Stevens. So now you you know you the good no, bishop now. Help. Yeah, man. God, God has been good. Yeah. Well, let's start by talking about your call to ministry, man. I really want to talk to you about your call because somebody will look at the beginning of your educational journey and see this BA in business administration and think that you're on another path, right? So exactly when yeah. did that call to ministry come for you? When did you see first sense that call to pastoral ministry?
1: Man, I started preaching at age 15. I accepted my call at a youth retreat in uh, Lake Arrowhead, California, uh, at a youth retreat around 15 years old. I um, started preaching 16, 17, you know, throughout high school, uh, late night you know, shut-ins and revivals and musicals and things like that, sermonette-based. And just throughout high school, you know, was the young preacher uh, in the city. And, uh, of course, there at West Angeles, Church of God in Christ, under the leadership of Bishop Charles Blake. And uh, God just started to bless me. When When I got ready to go off to undergraduate school, I was headed to Whittier College to play football, and I asked Bishop Blake if I should major in religion. He said, no, son. He said, uh, major in business. Excuse me. He said, the church is going to need someone that has a business acumen. He said, Uh and so you have time to focus on religion and theology at the next level. He said, let your master's degree be more theologically based. He said, but your undergraduate degree. He said, go ahead and focus on um, some area of business. He said, you're going to need that component. Um, he said the church has to be ran by men, uh, at, you know, he just said by men who are intellectual and who are uh, competent regarding finance, uh-huh. uh, regarding marketing and things of that magnitude. So he pushed me in that particular area and I majored in business administration with a concentration in marketing. And I promise you, it was probably the best advice or one of the best things that Bishop Blood shared with me. So uh-huh. that's kind of... You know, I, I was a young minister even in college, but, you know, my my, my business direction really was a, was a great lesson to me. And today it really pays off very well because it's true what he said today with technology, today with um, how the church is ran, you must be fiscally sound, you must have uh, business acumen. Um, we're blessed to have over 20 people on our staff at the church here in Grandview, Missouri, uh, here in Kansas City. And so it's just... Um, You know, business has been a great payoff for me.
0: Um, So what foresight on his part to be able to see that in you and say that to you and for it to pay off on the other side. Now, a lot of people are familiar with Bishop Blake, uh, pastor, has pastored West Angeles Kojic for a long time. So you came up under his ministry. Can you tell me how else he may have helped you discern and shape your call? the full-time ministry, as a mentor?
1: Oh, man, Bishop Blake was strategic. He was prolific. He was amazing in my spiritual journey. Um, my mom joined West Angeles Church when I was three months old. Bishop Blake christened me at six months old. Bishop Blake was just paramount. Everybody needs a spiritual father. Joshua had Moses. Timothy and Titus had Paul. Uh, Elijah had Elijah. Um, Everybody needs a spiritual leader. Everybody needs someone to hold them accountable and to point them in the proper direction. And so Bishop Blake was just paramount for me. Um, When I got ready to graduate uh, from undergraduate and I was ready to move on to seminary, um, he was helpful. I started off at, actually, I started off at Fuller Theological Seminary uh, my first year. So I left undergrad at 22 years old, uh, graduated in May. Well, that August or that September, I was at Fuller Seminary, 22 years old, seminary, and um, was working three jobs, four jobs, and I needed some financial help. And Bishop Blake, when I went to talk to him, he said, "Son, I'll give you the financial help, but have you considered our seminary in Atlanta?" Wow. And it was ITC C H Mason, and uh, he said, "If you're interested, he said, my son Charles is there now." He said, if you're interested, I can make a phone call for you. He said, and I'll still help you out financially, whatever you decide to do. So needless to say, I needed uh, some help. And C.H. Uh, Mason was connected to our, seminaries, our uh, seminary in our denomination. It paid 50% of your tuition, and it paid 100% of your room and board. Bishop Blake made a call to the dean, at that time, the late dean, Oliver Haney. On a Thursday, I had an acceptance on a Monday. Bishop Blake still sent me with a check. Uh, to ITC, and huh. uh, that uh, next year, uh, my going into my second year, they call it the middler year. I was there on the campus of ITC, and I did that from '97 to '99. Graduated in '99, and then Bishop Blake offered me a position at West Angeles to become uh, one of the the youth and young adult pastor there on the campus. So it was just huh. an amazing. Uh, Bishop Blake has been paramount. Bishop Blake appointed me the national youth president of our denomination, Bishop Blake, was the reason why really I'm here at Kansas City now. He came here and saw the church before I saw it. And uh-huh. then um, Blake um, made me the national youth president. And then, of course, upon his transition, as he was retiring from our denomination, he saw fit that uh, Vancouver, Canada would have been a good spot for me and made me an Episcopal leader as one of the bishops uh-huh. of our denomination. And at 46 years old, that that's not realistic. And so Bishop Blake really has just been paramount. Uh, I pray God gives him a double mansion, not just one mansion in heaven. He needs like something really, really special when he decides to go. I don't want him to go to heaven anytime soon. But John, he's been amazing in my um, matriculation of ministry.
0: Uh, so instrumental in your call and in your ministry. If there's some young preachers and pastors who are listening here and they are longing for that, but they don't have that in their local context, how might you be able to encourage them to find somebody who can mentor them?
1: Well, I think you want to find someone who's doing what you do or what you aspire to do. Then God really has to lead you to that particular person, just like God led Elisha and Elijah. God connected them. Uh, It wasn't, you know, by a specific route. You know, God did it in a specific way. The other thing is, I think God, Bishop Blake had impeccable character and impeccable mm-hmm. integrity. So right. not only do you want to find someone who can preach and who's an excellent executive, you want to find someone who has great character and integrity and who really loves the Lord so that you have something to follow because you can be great in the pulpit. But if you're not great behind the scene, uh, it's for not. So you really want someone that can, you know, really encourage you and push you in that particular way. If you don't have a spiritual mentor, if you don't have a spiritual leader, um, there are several people out there that I have. I've been able to adopt mentors like Bishop T.D. Jakes. I've never sat down and had dinner with Bishop Jakes, but I follow his ministry. I've read many of his books. I was not blessed to have a direct connection with Bishop G. Patterson, but I studied his ministry as well. And uh, there are countless of other individuals that I have been able to study and glean from what they've had to offer. So if you by chance don't have a Bishop Blake, which is your senior pastor, uh, be great if you did, but if you don't, um, then there's some other guys out there that you can glean from, huh. and uh, get some nuggets from them along the way.
0: So yeah, you've had some distant mentors that you have not necessarily been in their presence, but you've learned from them Absolutely. from afar.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> that's
0: good. So you started the out I just wanna
1: encourage a guy like that because you, know, you feel like you wanna have someone with you every day, Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. I've been extremely blessed. The favor of God was on my life that I did have a Charles Blake in my life, but everybody doesn't get that.
0: Mm, that's good. That's good. good. So you started out doing some youth ministry and your doctoral work focused on youth and family ministry. Good, uh, good. Why do you Why do you think you focused on that early in your call? And how, does the, how has that impacted your preaching today?
1: I've always had a passion for young people. So being a young preacher, I just had a passion for young people as I began to matriculate. Um, during my seminary career, Bishop Blade would let me come back and how I would earn money is I got a chance to be the vacation Bible school director, and got a chance to work on some things like that. So from children all the way up to youth, teens, and then young adults, I just have always had a passion for that. They've been attracted to me and I've been attracted to them. And I just felt that I um was able to speak to each generation, and the Lord has blessed me in that. Um, that has affected my preaching because it has to keep you connected. So you kind of have to stay current in the hip-hop arena. You got to have to stay current in what's going on. You know, So we were talking to some young people the other day. It was like, oh, that's Gucci. That's Gucci.
0: <laughs> and so,
1: you know, the different terms and the different vibes uh, of what people are saying today, you kind of stay connected. Um, this today, I mean, as I'm nearing 40, I mean, I'm not there yet, but at 48 years old now, um, I can't stay current with all of the lingo and jargon, but you know, you stay connected to the young people and they'll teach you what's happening. Of course, TikTok will teach you what's happening, but that has affected my preaching just a little bit. Um, I still believe that you don't want to err from the biblical writ, but the goal of an effective preacher is to be able to connect the Bible to the culture that you're speaking to. And so you don't want to speak over their heads, but at the same time, you want to feed them exegetically. And so you have to be able to, to do both. And so I've been blessed to be able to speak to the theological context, but I've always been able to speak to the social culture as well. Huh. And the Lord just blessed the Everybody doesn't have that. There's some people that have more of an evangelistic piece. Some people have more of a missiological piece. Some people take, you know, they are more of a teaching style. Uh, but the Lord has blessed me to be able to weave the two in the preaching moment. And that's just a gift that I thank God that when I read the Bible, it, it comes alive for me like a Broadway performance. So I see it in a different way. And then I'm able to kind of put some hooks and twists and little nuances inside of the preaching moment that mm-hmm. people are able to attract to. And so uh, a young adult told me the other day, she said, I appreciate you, Bishop Steve, because you just keep it real. And I understand what you're talking about. So, huh. you know, I was preaching on this past Sunday and I said, the goal for, in my preaching is not for you to cheer. The goal in my preaching is for you to change. So like, that's good right there. That's good. So, again, you know, I'm able to connect uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, um, we, we we share in the preaching. Month.
0: Hmm. And that really speaks to the craft of your preaching. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk gonna about talk- the craft of your sermon preparation it would be great
1: scholars have referred to the original black church as the invisible institution because enslaved people were often not allowed to worship freely they'd have to gather sing and preach in secret to avoid being beat yet they still developed a deep devotion to the authority of scripture and the liberation narrative today many christians who don't fully agree with conservatives or progressives feel invisible they're not well represented in politics or mainstream media in response, the AN Campaign has created the Invisible Institution Newsletter, or IVI. We'll be providing political commentary, policy breakdowns, and more for Christians who believe in social justice and moral order, not one or the other. Go to ancampaign.org and subscribe if you're sick and tired of feeling invisible.
0: All right, so let's talk about your craft. You talked about young adults and being able to reach young adults. As you are preparing your message and crafting your message, how do you go about crafting a message that is both culturally relevant but also theologically sound?
1: I was taught that you always, you cannot force the text to say what it does not say. So I do my best in trying to see what do I want to communicate? Like around George Floyd, I was trying to see how can I speak uh, around social justice? And I knew what I wanted to achieve, but then I had to see what in the Bible spoke to social justice. Well, Jesus was the best social rights leader that there ever was. Of course, we only quote the top of that scripture when it says the spirit of the lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach most people that's all they know in that scripture but if you go deeper in that text he says i gotta bring glad tidings to the poor <laughs> i gotta get the brokenhearted, i gotta set the captives free well now i'm able to talk about the captives that we send more kids to prison than we send to, to more uh more house uh you know people that are financially uh not you know, there. We have more people that are living under the poverty line than living over it uh to emotionally and spiritually deal with those that are brokenhearted, dealing with now suicide and dealing now with individuals who are operating in depression or low self-esteem. So now you're able to take a conversation and build it upon the text, not trying to force the text to say what it doesn't say. But Jesus says that not only is the spirit upon me. Not only has he anointed me, but he's anointed me to do the following things. Now you can speak to social justice issues, and God has anointed us to do so. So, again, um, you take the context. Um, I talk to young people about sexual addictions and how to flee fornication or flee youthful lust. I preach a sermon on how to say no after you've already said yes, as I'm able to encourage people young adults and young people to operate and practice celibacy. Well, as you move into these conversations, the scripture talks about fleeing. And then I'm able to grab Joseph, that he was a handsome, smart, intellectual. And of course, uh, Potiphar's wife found him to be masterfully attractive. Will you build the text? But of course, one day she sends everybody away so she could have him alone to herself. Well, of course, now play with it you know you can build it but again this text says what the text says hmm. if you read the text she calls him into a room and she now is soliciting him and so you're able to build it now of course i can take something from bet or i can take something from tiktok i can take something and put the story together because now she's a cougar she's uh-huh. coming a oh, man you see i'm able to build the conversation so I'm not forcing the text to say anything, but I'm able to connect a word like cougar. Now I have a young adult's attention and now I have an older person's attention and I'm connecting it. Of course, uh, he's going to flee without his shirt on. That's what the Bible says. And so, uh, you know, it got hot in there. She wanted to take off all her clothes. Well, of course, <laughs> now, you know, come in, Nelly, help me talk for a little bit. You can build it, but again, not disrespecting the text. But now you can have an inter uh play uh with the text without doing it uh any injustice or any disrespect. So I'm able to then again weave some of those things into it that Joseph said, No, uh-huh. I'm not going to uh I'm not going to disrespect my God. And I don't care what you offer me, even though the central moment might be fulfilling, I'm not going there with you. And so uh he leaves and he runs and he escapes, even though he pays a penalty for it. It was worth it because God is going to call him forth out of the prison. So hopefully people can see the text
0: speaks for itself. Huh. That's good. That's good. So tell me, how far in advance do you plan your sermons? Do you preach in series format? And then how do you select what text you're going to preach during that period? As a pastor,
1: I have moved again. I went to a few conferences that Bishop Jakes offered 10 or 12 years ago when I first started pastoring. When I first started pastoring, I was grabbing new sermons every week or trying to figure out what I was going to preach every week. And that was just tedious and daunting because it's nothing like being uh, Saturday about 6.30 p.m. and you trying to still think about what you're going to preach for 11 o'clock service Sunday morning. So as a neophyte in the pastoral, position uh I was doing that for maybe the first two years um, excuse me but I quickly moved over to series preaching so I have a monthly theme uh, that I preach from so in the month of January of my church now celebrating the new youth is what I'm preaching for this whole month and uh, talking about the new dynamics and my graphic is uh, moving from the cocoon to the butterfly. So that's what I'm dealing with uh, all month long. So I have already given my four sermons for the entire month. In the month of February, I'm preaching a piece entitled Pivotal Pieces. And so each week I do have a uh, point to that. Of course, pastoring now, I have a different agenda. So I want people to know in January that they can change. Uh And that there's you that's waiting. In the month of February, I want people to be connected. And so, of course, February is the love month. So, I have a Sunday that I'm going to deal with couples. I'm preaching a text about Ananias, um, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila as to how they help Paul build ministry. Uh, I'm going to preach a text that Paul talks about we are nailed to the cross with Christ. And so, uh, I'll talk about the nail and the cross. Uh, There's another Sunday that I'm going to talk about Nehemiah and The people are building a wall while haters are talking about them at the same time. And then the fourth Sunday, I believe, uh, I'm dealing with a whole other conversation with young people. So I have the young people with me on fourth Sunday. They have teen church on second and third, uh, but on first and fourth Sunday, the young people in my church are with me. So I'm almost, you know, three to six weeks out and then I chew on a sermon. So it's almost like food preparation. So I'll cut up the ingredients and put it in Tupperware and I'll put that Tupperware bowl away. I'll cut up some other ingredients. So I'll get a text and then I'll try to build a a two or three point outline. No, no chap, no, no, no uh, paragraphs, just sentences. And then I'll get a thought and then I'll put that in a Tupperware. Of course, I save it in a Word document. And then as things hit me on TV or things that hit me or I'll hear another preacher talking about it, I'm reading a book. I'll get some more information, and then I'm able to open up that Tupperware, stick it in there, which is a Word Doc. I open it up, type for about three to five minutes, save it, close it, come back to it. So that's kind of what I do. I'm working on five or six sermons usually
0: at the same time. Huh? Huh. Huh. Then of course
1: Thursday, of course I pick up where I'm going for Sunday, and I thank the Lord. I'm trying not to have those three, four. O'clock a.m. sessions where I'm still up at four <laughs> in the morning going, All right, Lord, I'm almost there. No, no, no. Nine o'clock in the morning, trying to still spill check and finalize everything. So I'm trying to make sure that Saturday night I'm marinating in the text versus still trying to unpack it.
0: That's good. I love that Tupperware analogy. I think a lot more pastors do need to write down those thoughts when they have them during the day, because mm-hmm. we, we lose those jokers. You ever lost the illustration and you're like, man, I so sure yeah. wish I would remembered that. So that's yeah. good. I like that. I like that. And if, and if
1: you're going to bring scholarship to the pulpit, you have to spend some time with it. Um, I think a good sermon, you, you're going to have to give it at least, at least 15, the almost 20 hours if you're going to do it right. Yeah. And most guys, um, some are working full-time jobs and have family. So it's hard to really give 20 hours to it. But if you spend time with the text, you can spend two hours, five to six, seven, 10 times. Uh, you, you can spend that time just kind of tweaking and turning it and looking at it, and studying it. So you really got to give scholarship today because you got to know when you put a text out there, when I tell people to turn to Second Kings chapter 2, you got to know when they Google that in their phone and they pull it up, they have a plethora of information in front of them. Google is going to give them it all. They have all the translations and everything. So we have to know that sometimes people in the pew are more intellectual than people in the pulpit. So if you don't give scholarship to the text, if you have not exegeted that text, and then if you have not spent time in the text, the people today are not going to listen to you.
0: That's good. And speaking of resources, let's say if you had three resources that you use every time you prepare your sermons, what would those three resources be? Thompson Chain Study Bible, Logos, Logos Software,
1: a good Bible dictionary. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, Thompson Chain is is clutch.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's clutch, yeah. Uh, then of course you need a a good Bible dictionary the the Logos software gives you a plethora of resources as well Um, but I just think you have to play with it Um, Uh I'm using when I'm online I'm using the um, Bible Gateway so I'm able to also use that to pull up references and I can cut and paste and drop so between the Logos software between the uh, Bible gateway that just gives me all kind of versions of scripture. And then if I get it, I can cut and paste it quickly. Uh, uh-huh. And it's easy uh, for me to drop it in that particular way. Um, so yeah, that, those are the top three that I would say, uh, Thompson, Shane, Logos, um, and a good Bible dictionary.
0: Yep. Yep. IVP has a great, yep. great one. There is definitely a bunch yeah. of good Bible dictionaries out there. <clears throat> so many so, out there.
1: It's just, it's just how in-depth do you want to go? And some some of them go too in-depth, and then some of them are not in-depth enough. But I use the ungers. But but I mean, mm-hmm. it. Just it's so many that are out there that'll give you holding. So many out there that'll give you some good good stuff today.
0: That's good. And we'll drop those in the, the description for sure so you all can see those references. We've talked about your call and your craft. When we come back, we're going to talk about the content of your preaching. Looking forward yeah. to it. What's up, Preaching While Black fam? Listen, I hope this interview has been a blessing so far. If you want more content and resources around Preaching While Black, go over to our YouTube channel, Preaching While Black. We have all the episodes from our interviews up, but we also have other resources for you as a black preacher as you try to hone your craft, your call, and your content for black preaching. Now back to our episode. So uh, one of the things that some people have heard about Kojic life is the phrase you can't join in. You got to be born in. And this is true of many denominations. There's kind of this inherited faith for many believers. And that could be a good thing and a bad thing. Right. Good that there's a foundation there, a family foundation, but bad in that it it can become rote worship. So how do you overcome people who have grown up in the church? But have not necessarily had Christ grow up in them when you were preaching. I push
1: people today. Denominations are are like restaurants. Um, let's just use uh, the hamburger for a moment. Um, I know you're interviewing me, but let me ask: What's your favorite hamburger spot?
0: Oh, for me, it's got to be Five Guys. Okay. Uh, For me,
1: I I like Five Guys, too. For me, it's probably in and out Um, For somebody else, it's Wendy's. For somebody else, it's McDonald's. For somebody else, it's Burger King. Let's just use those right now. Um, When you look at denominations, you have to look at denominations like you look at hamburger restaurants. Uh, At the end of the day, we all should have the beef in the middle. And so, as long as it's USDA beef in the middle, then we good. For me, the beef is Jesus Christ. How you make the hamburger is according to your preference. Wendy's hamburger is square. McDonald's hamburger is round. Five Guys—they uh, making the—they squeezing the patty as you get it. In and out, um, their patty is 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 already positioned as well, <clears throat> but you can have it animal style. They are known for, you know, the cheese and the onions and everything being together. And, uh, you know, that's the in and out way. Five guys, you have whatever you want on it. So, you know, it's a little bit more pricey, but you get a very good burger and they're going to not just give you french fries. They're going to dump it in the bag. <laughs> they want you to leave with a plethora of, Of French fries Burger King is going to tell you to have it your way the point that I'm making is that it's all about preference when it comes to how the hamburger is made the goal is just to that the beef is USDA in the middle AME CME United Methodist Church of God in Christ Apostolic uh, PAW Baptist Missionary Baptist full gospel Baptist I can go down a litany of denominations To me, they're all like hamburger restaurants. As long as Jesus is in the middle, we're going to be okay. Church of God. Some people have music. Some people don't have music. Some people are going to speak in tongues. Some people are not going to speak in tongues. Some people are going to have an Episcopal-based service. Some people are going to have a free-for-all at the end of the day, as long as Jesus is in the middle. So when it comes to the Church of God in Christ, uh, you can't join in. You have to be born in. It's a great cliche conversation at the end of the day, and again, I love the Church of God in Christ. I'm a bishop in the Church of God in Christ. Um, My push today is that before we push denomination and before we teach people church culture, I pray that people embrace Christ because we can teach them how to have all of the um, aesthetics. But if they don't get the basics, which is Jesus, then they've missed it. So we can dress you up. And teach you how to shout, dance. We can teach you how to do all of that stuff. But if you don't know Jesus for yourself, we've missed the mark. So Uh I believe that we have to be intentional about our pursuit for Jesus Christ.
0: So you know,
1: just like you know, different different denominations have their colloquial conversations. But at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus.
0: So I want to ask you one more thing about the social location of your preaching. You're an LA guy. (laughs) <laughs> moved from L.A. to Kansas yep. City, to the Midwest. Yeah, uh, And Kansas City has had a history of racial tension. As a matter of fact, if you go to Kansas City, I know you know this, but th- there's a street that divides north to south, the heart yep. of the city, that divides it racially. That yep. one mile, less than one mile from each other, there's a, a a population of people who are under the poverty line that you talked about, and there's another population that's over the poverty line, how do you preach in that context?
1: Um, again, um, I, I believe we preach Jesus and him crucified. I think we preach the issues and I think we preach the struggles of where people are today. The preaching moment has to be prophetic. Uh, I said all the time, if you are not prophetic then you are pathetic today, we, we should be preaching the context that Jesus is coming soon. Today, we have to deal with the psychosocial dynamics. We have to deal with the socioeconomic climates. We have to deal with injustice. Uh, we have to deal with so many dynamics. But if you preach Jesus holistically, he deals with all of it. Jesus preaches more about money than he preaches about almost anything. Uh, if we deal with the mind, the psychosocial dynamic or the psychological construct the Bible talks about. If your mind does not get saved, if your mind does not embrace the gospel, neither will your hands, your feet, your tongue. So the helmet of salvation is the psychological addressing of the issues, relationships, and relational dynamics. All of those things are paramount. I try not to get caught up in the frivolous, a trendy stuff because that stuff fades. It goes in and it goes out. So I'm not preaching about dress code. I'm not preaching about makeup and lipstick. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. Uh, We have to preach a holistic gospel that everybody can benefit from. Um, I share with my congregation, I'm no longer preaching about symptoms. I want to preach about systems. So if you understand NyQuil, deals with the sniffling, sneezing, stuffy head. It deals with your symptoms. Vitamin C, echinacea, turmeric. Those are things that deal with your system. If your system does not get well, you will keep having symptoms. So, oftentimes, we preach to the symptoms, which is what you can see on the outside. We really, biblically, have to theologically address the system. Because if we don't get to a man or to a woman's heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if we don't deal with it, and people really need to go further in that scripture, because that scripture says, not only as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, he says that man can invite you to dinner and spend time with you and not like you at all. Go back and look at the text. The Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you know how to be fake, and you know how to fake it to make it if you really don't deal deal with how a person mentally appropriates scripture, that person knows how to go through all the motions and they're gonna miss heaven. So we have a lot of people that are churchmen, but they're not Christian.
0: Uh, I'll die Mm. That was so good. And this has been such a rich conversation. You've dropped so many nuggets during this conversation, man, I appreciate you for coming through and talking about your call, your craft and your content. I just want to let people know and thank them for joining us for this particular episode. And if you do want to follow more content like this, I want you to go over to Preaching Wild Black over on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. We also are on all our social media platforms. You can find us at Preaching Black. And we appreciate Bishop Stevens for joining us for this episode. And we definitely are going to see you guys next go round.
1: Thanks for listening to the Preaching While Black podcast. For more helpful content and resources, connect with us online at preachingwhileblack.com.